Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Reske. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, welcome back to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Greg Bryan. I'm joined with my other co-host, Jim Reske, and my good friend. The three of us tonight are going to be discussing the letter of 2 Timothy. It's a really powerful letter written by the Apostle Paul. It's actually his final words, the final things that we have from the Apostle Paul in writing because shortly after this letter, he was he was in prison and he was beheaded by Nero. So um, this was his letter. We call it a pastoral epistle because it was written to kind of uh, a guy he was mentoring, Timothy. And these are his his in his words uh, to Timothy, kind of his final words and. It's just really cool because it's very gospel centered. Um, so welcome, welcome guys, and um, you know, Jim, do you have any comments about the just the the overall letter itself? Uh, yeah, sure, Greg. I was like you, I was picking up on uh, uh, some uh, outlines, just finding some outlines, thinking about it. I like this one that said it broke into four parts: a commendation and charge, a commission to fulfill, a conflict to face, a course to finish. So just different ways to kind of break up. Uh, there's lots of those kinds of ways to out outline the book and think of the major structure of the book. But like you said, it's so it seems so intensely personal uh, because Paul has poured his life into Timothy, and and you could just hear him reaching out and exhorting him to kind of keep the faith, preach the word, and um, you know stay strong in the faith. And uh, I, I'm super excited to go through this tonight. And then um, and I, I think actually tonight we're going to start. Uh, calling Felix by his nickname, uh, Ali. Uh, so uh, Ali, welcome and join us. I don't know if you had any thoughts up front too. Thank you. I'm super excited to be part of this podcast again. And finally, you know, everybody knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> so right. yeah, uh, I, I also feel like, uh, you know, since the last couple of months have been super busy for me because of my education. So I'm just excited to dive back into the Word. I feel like for, for a few months, I haven't been able to read the Bible as much as I'd like to, and I'm you know looking forward to it. Oh, Ali, this is going to be a good one for you then, because it's, it's going through it again, like it just if you're ready for tonight. There are so many memory verses in this that uh, I went through like in, in college and so many great nuggets to pull out of it, and, um, and so much about the Word itself that um it's a it's a kind of, you're, you're gonna love it it's gonna be really refreshing for you awesome and so Greg, what we talked about doing is uh, tonight is just read, read read a chapter we will read a chapter uh and then each of us kind of pick one verse that stands out and then we'll go on to the next one and kind of go through it that way if that's okay i think that's the way to do it because otherwise we could be here for hours because there's so much there's so much great content in these <laughs> in these verses fortunately we we only have four chapters so let's go ahead and do that. Uh, Jim, would you mind reading chapter one? Uh, no, just got to pull it up here. And I'm going to be reading. This is uh, 
would you call it the Navigator All-Star Bible? This is oh, is this Bible. NASB? Yeah, this is NASB. This is the Navigator All-Star Bible. <laughs> yes, oh, otherwise cool. known, some people refer to it as the New American Standard. But here, I'll, just, I'll, I'll read the whole chapter, chapter one. And then uh, as I'm going through, uh, um, think about a favorite verse and we'll talk about it. Second Timothy chapter one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the father in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Retain the sound, retain the standard of sound words, which you have heard from me in the faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant him, the Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know very well what services he rendered to me at Ephesus. Thanks, Jim. Well, I'll get us started here. Um, there's a lot of great verses I could pick from this chapter, but Right now, the thing that's jumping out at me is verse 9, chapter 1, verse 9. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Man, I just like that because it's just a reminder of the power of the gospel that, um, God did something for us that we could never do for ourselves. We could never save ourselves. Um, and that's, and yet that's what a lot of people try to do. They try to save themselves. They try to work their way um, to, to God and to, to get into heaven. And I just love this reminder that Paul gives Timothy that it was God who did it. God who did the work. Um and it's, you know, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Um, the whole idea of grace, you know, and the grace and the gospel kind of go hand in hand because grace is unmerited favor. It's, there's nothing we did, nothing we do to earn that. 
you know, it's just a gift. Um, and I also think it's interesting that Paul says that this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. That's kind of interesting because sometimes when you read the story in Genesis, it looks like we screwed up. Like, you know, God had this perfect plan. He created Adam and Eve. And then uh, they rebelled against God and that brought sin into the world. And it looks like, it looks like, um, you know, everything got messed up and it was all our fault. And yet here we see that no, that didn't surprise God that he had a plan from the beginning of, you know, from all eternity. Um, he knew what was going to happen before it did. And it was always his plan to send his son, you know, to die in our place so that we might, you know, have a relationship with him. And so I just, that's the verse that stands out to me. And, you know, we talk about being a gospel addict and how powerful the gospel is, not just to save us, but, but also to sanctify us. And he says that he saved us and called us to live a holy life. The only reason, the only way we can live that holy life is with the, with the gospel. Um, so those are my thoughts, Jim, what are you thinking? Yeah. So I just want to follow right on. I, I, you're right. In reading it now, as you were describing it, it reminds me of Romans 5, 8, right? God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's the secrets of the gospel, right? So, and it comes right out in verse in 2 Timothy 1, verse 9, that he called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, right? He had already, it was already his purpose to give us that grace. It's, it's totally by his gift. And then in response, Right. That's this. That's the whole concept, the importance of sequence of the gospel. We we do live a, want to live a holy life. We want to live a life that pleases him. We want to turn our back on our sin and follow him, but not in order to gain his favor, because it's because we already have his favor. So for me, Greg, that's what I want to follow on because my verse is the one right after verse 10. Because right after that thought, he says, you know, um, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death. And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I just, I love it. The words are like poetry, you know, you just, and you can hear it. I mean, he's in chains, he's in prison. Some of the commentators see he was like, he wasn't in house prison, like he had been in prison before. He was like in a dark, you know, dark and cold prison. Because later we'll read where he says, bring the cloak with me, like I'm cold here in this prison. And uh, he still has his words, incredible poetic words of hope, all driven by the gospel, right? Jesus abolished death as a guy who's about to die and knows he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So he's still, and he's been doing this his whole life, but he's fascinated. Uh, but we do it. It's just, he was calling anyway, but he's, he's still enthralled and fascinated by the gospel. And what we always say, Greg, here in the gospel addict podcast, it's not the gospel is not the ABCs of the Christian life. It's the A to Z of the Christian life. It's driving Paul's whole life and giving him, just this tremendous hope, even as he's facing, as he's facing death and 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 in reveling in his Savior Jesus Christ who abolished death. So I I I just I just love that. Amen. That's that's awesome. I was I, I was actually kind of thinking along the similar lines. I mean, imagine how much faith Paul had in Jesus that even in such a situation he was you know he was strong in his faith 
uh, with Jesus. Because, I mean, we're all sitting in a comfortable place. Imagine if we are put in that kind of situation. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really do believe in Jesus. But when you're put in that kind of a situation, I don't know how I'm going to react. So that's 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 what I was thinking, that how much faith Paul had in Jesus. And, it's and hard just, to, yeah. yeah. It, well, and the thing is, you know, he was in, this was, a, um, he's been in prison before, and, and at other times he was like under house arrest. This time he was literally in a hole in the ground. Wow. Like he was being fed um, from above and exposed to the elements. He had no like, you know, place to go to the bathroom. I mean, he was like in a, in a tiny room, probably the worst kind of prison situation you could think of. And yet he's writing this with such strong faith. But I'm sorry I interrupted you, Ali. Yeah. So my favorite verse is actually uh, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And that's mainly because for a very long time, I battled with myself in revealing uh, my faith and, you know, how everybody knows what my background has been. So, and then, you know, it took me a while once I grew strong enough with, with Christ that I realized that there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's actually a pride to be a follower of Christ and uh, by identifying myself as a follower of Christ, I'm actually, you know, highlighting him and, uh, you know, reflecting him in, in my life, in my transformation as as a person, as a human being. And I, I think I felt, you know, I could be one of those who people could learn from, you know, how a person can change just by uh, the inspiration that jesus christ brings in your life so i think that's that's why that's one of my favorite verses i like that's that's it's, that's great that's inspiring because we you know your background coming from uh, a, a different faith but also your current situation i don't know if our listeners know you're uh, the phd program at a secular university we don't have to name the university but <laughs> you but you know you get into a small program like that where you can you can get to a, and I, I saw this once before with a, a distant relative who got into a, a, that kind of program. It was a very scientific program and everyone just laughed at him for his faith. Just laughed. Mm-hmm. At him. I can't believe you believe that for those fairy tales. And he walked away from the faith. It was like, it, would, you know, it was just too much. And yeah. he became ashamed of the gospel, ashamed of the gospel. So yeah. for this to strike you at this moment in your life, you say, mm-hmm. You know, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right? Do not be ashamed of the testament of the Lord of me. I'm thinking of also in Romans where he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's, it's the power of God for salvation. That's a meaningful verse for all of us, but I think just think about you and your situation right now. Yeah, and, you know, just to share something of, from my personal story from, from college is that, uh, from my PhD program, is that I actually experienced, and I'm still experiencing a professor who is a theory professor. And, uh, surprisingly enough, theory professors do not tend to believe in God. They actually believe in theory. Mm. So, and there's this one guy who's like, you know, he's he explains there's a theory for everything. There's a theory for human existence. And I and I he I I've, I kind of figured where he was going with that. And that's when I designed this wallpaper for my 
for my computer, which said Jesus saves. And I put and I put it on my desktop all the times. And even like when he's looking at my desktop. So just to embrace uh, the love of God and feel feel confident in him that, you know, you, you're, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You should be, not be happy. Yeah, you should not be ashamed. And even though I know that he's not a believer, but I felt like that's one way of telling him without telling him that I'm a follower of Christ, without saying it out loud in the class. Yeah. But everybody looks at it. And a couple of my Muslim friends actually were very surprised looking at the wallpaper. And they're like, what is this all about? And then I explained it to them, which was very, uh, with quite a, quite a conversation. So I, I feel like it's important to embrace God because for, and, and for me, it's different because for everything that has changed in my life ever since I started following Jesus. So I want other people to have the same joy as Greg says, you know, he wanted me to have that joy. And I feel like now it's my responsibility to pass on that joy to other people. And that's how it is. Fantastic. That's what people don't understand. A lot of times is that we want people to, to experience the same peace and joy and love and experience Jesus the way we've experienced them. We want to share that. We want to share that in the best way. Not we're not like trying to preach at people or convert people. Yeah. We're just we're just trying to share, um, you know, the best news ever, right? With sure. them. So let's move on to chapter two. I'll read this this chapter. I think this is the longest chapter. Okay. And then um, Ali, I might ask you to read chapter three. Okay. So let's. Uh, I'll read chapter which, two, though. Which version are you guys reading? Just tell me that again. Well, actually, he was reading the New American Standard. I'm reading the NIV, which okay. is the Navigator-inspired version. I'll switch to NIV, which is the New International Version. <laughs> the New International <laughs> Version. All right. Um, I got that one. So, um, chapter two. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. 
Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hynemaeus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Do not have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must, gen must be gen gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So that's chapter two, guys. Um, which there's so many good verses in this chapter. Which one are you going to pick tonight? Well, I'll, I'll go, Greg. I, I, uh, I, I'm right off the bat. I'm tempted to pick verse two, but I can, as a, as a good navigator, I can leave that for you. Cause that's kind of a cornerstone verse about disciple making. Um, uh, gosh, it's so hard to choose. Uh, but I'm going to go with the last two verses at the end, especially the last verse. Um, because it talks about gent with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. I think of those verses as I'm, sometimes as I'm sharing Christ with people, people like walked away from the faith or considering the faith, but especially people that are like Christians that have kind of walked away from the faith and they're just getting you know blinded by the world and ensnared by the devil and your your and the prayer i just there's such pathos in this prayer he was just empathizing with him you could hear him like agonizing for the people that i just you know he's not he's not saying to them if i wish they would you know i want them to hear these words so they can clean up their act and shape up and and be good people um and and so they could be better religious people and and uh, not be so bad uh, he's saying, I want them to get repentance that leads to the knowledge of the truth, the gospel, and come to their senses, come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. And, and for those of us who believe, it's like, it's, it's when you, when you, when you, when the Holy Spirit comes in, you as a Christian, you start tasting the word. It's like, it makes such perfect sense. And you see the whole world differently. And. What, and you see that the people who are walking away from it just are getting blinded by the world. And you just pray that they would just come to their senses and kind of wake up from that. And 
you know, because ours is ours is a it, it, ours is not a blind faith. Ours is a really reasonable faith. Uh, in fact, with more time, I think the only reasonable faith, uh, the only reasonable way to, to to look at the world. Anyway, I just I love this, and I when I I and I often actively think of these verses and talk to someone. Lord, please help them come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Um, so those are my that's my that's my choice. Okay, before Ali shares, I want to just make some comments on the verse you chose here. At the end of this verse, it says. Um, escape the tra trap of the devil who is taking them captive to do his will there's kind of a parallel passage and it's luke chapter 5 when um jesus you know the the guys are fishing fishing and they can't f catch anything and then um jesus says let your let your nets over here they catch this huge amount of fish well at the end of that in chapter 5 verse 10 he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And that word catch men is that phrase catch men is like the same as being take, taken captive. And oh. I read a, I think it was a devotional one time that said, use these phrases and said, it's like uh, the phrase taking men alive. Because when, when you're, when you're catching fish, you catch them alive. And he's like, from now on, you're not going to catch fish. You're going to catch men. You're going to take them alive for God. But there's somebody else who wants to take men alive. And when I say men, I mean men and women, obviously. Right. Um, and that that person wants to take them captive as well. And that's and that's the the devil. So there's um, that that verse you chose, Jim, is um, very. I mean, it's just it's just kind of interesting. Jesus wants to take men men alive, and and the the devil wants to take men alive. Yeah. Just so Ali, what about you? Which uh, what what verse would you pick? So mine is actually verse twenty two. It says, "Flee the evil desires of youth, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord, out of a pure heart." And I feel like it's a simple verse, but once you start following Christ, it is something of a challenge. It's a struggle because especially like looking in the modern world, we are surrounded by so many, so many evil things that it's so easy to get distracted. And I feel like if the Bible has discussed it such a long time ago, that means that God knew what he was talking about. So he knew that, you know, times ahead would be even worse and there will be even more temptations out there. So I feel like in that, in, in that sense, it's a very, it's a very special verse because it kind of warns you what is out there and what is out there to get you. And in just the, these simple words, the God has kind of warned you to follow the right path. That's why I feel like it's a very important verse and sometimes also very hard to practice because, you know, it's easy to get distracted, especially in your youth, especially when you're young. You know, you're, you have so many other things. I look at college kids right now and, and I just pray about them because this is, I, I tell you what, the college that I am, <laughs> it is a seriously party town. I mean, Kent is nothing compared to what this is. And I was just like looking at it and I was like, wow 
if only if people could understand the the power of Jesus Christ in their youth because if you understand I'm, I'm like I feel like I'm so lucky to understand that in at, at such a young age because all these lessons will live with me for a very long time so I feel like in your youth it's important to follow the path that's great man and I, I, I think it's interesting that he, he, he actually, and he's giving this advice to Timothy, who's like a young, you know, uh, minister of the gospel. And he's, and he say, he uses the word flee, like run away. Run like yeah. when you're, when you're, uh, you know, don't go. Yeah. Just, just run away, do whatever you can to avoid um, falling into those, those uh, temptations and traps. So that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that, Ali. So I'm going to, you know, Jim, you pick two verses. I'm going to pick two verses and I'm going to pick chapter two, verses one and two. Okay. I like verse one. It's so short. It's a, it's, but it's so powerful. You then my son, and that just shows his relationship, how much he cared about Timothy. Um, you then my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And I think that that's, when I think about our podcast, I think that's what we're talking about, being a gospel addict, be strong. Part of being a gospel addict is being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because he's telling Timothy this as a believer. Right. He's saying believer to believer, Timothy, don't forget, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say, learn the rules and make sure you follow them all. He's pointing Timothy back to the gospel. Yeah. And I just think that's so powerful. And then he talks about verse two and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who also be qualified to teach others. The whole idea of spiritual multiplication and discipleship. It's my job to pass on my faith to other people so that they pass on the faith and we just keep we keep multiplying. The gospel spreads through multiplication, not addition. I want to pass on as much as I can to you so that you can pass it on to other people and just keep multiplying it out. There's actually four generations mentioned in that verse. There's Paul to Timothy, Timothy to reliable people, and then others. And so you see the four generations there, which is pretty powerful. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to chapter three. All right. This is the shortest of the chapters. That's good. All right, here we go. But mark this. There will be a terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Having nothing to do with such people. They are the kind whom worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as James and Jambres opposed Moses, So also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds. 
who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far, because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you know, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God, breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thanks. Thanks, Ali. You did a great job reading that. Mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and get us started here, and I'm going to pick uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Oh! Did I steal steal your verses? (laughs) Go ahead. Well, you can can both um, pick the same verses. You'll probably have a different angle than I do. But... uh, all scripture is God breed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I just, you know, the Paul's reminder here about the power of the scripture and how important it is. It, it you know, so many people just you think of the Bible is just another book. But um, the Bible says about itself that it's it's scripture and it's God breathed. And I just love the idea that, um, um, you know, I, I, I made it when I was 30 years old, I made a commitment to try to read through the Bible every year for the rest of my life. And so far, I've been able to keep that commitment by the grace of God. And it's just because if there's one book I want to give my life to, it's the Bible. And I think Abraham Lincoln, there's a famous quote from Abraham Lincoln. He said that a thorough knowledge of the Bible is more important than a college education. And I just love that. And I also think of another quote from D.L. Moody, where um, he talks about the Bible and he says, this book will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from this book. And (laughs) just how there's something special about the scripture and I'm just, every time I read it, I feel like I've, I, you, you know, I've, I've read through the Bible multiple times, but I, it seems like every day I feel like I'm reading something that I've never read before. And I just love that aspect that it's kind of alive. It's, it's, it's like a living, a living book. So that's my, my pick, Jim, how about you? Well, uh, I'll, I'll pick something different. And um, I, I got half-baked thoughts on this. I almost like to see what you guys think and, or hear, read commentaries later about it. But when I'm reading the first couple of verses, uh, verses two and three, uh, people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Uh, you know, I worked on Wall Street for a while, so I was thinking about that world. And people, you know, it's boastful, arrogant. Like, those were, you know, um, 
prime qualities for success on Wall Street. Those were which you need, you know, those were uh, uh, applauded, uh, you know, um, and uh, not not some people who think people were ashamed of at all. So he's describing, you know, lovers of self, lovers of money, and then down here in verse three, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and. Um, that's not, you don't have to go to Wall Street for that. That's his general sentiment now that, hey, you only go around once, so life is, this is all you have. So you got to get all the pleasure you can and experiences you can. And and um, it's just a totally different way of living than the Christian faith, right? Uh, to be a lover of pleasure rather than lover of God. But it's the next verse I'm picking, verse five, which I think is interesting to me, where it says, all those people that sound like just bad people, it says, holding to a form of godliness, Although they have denied its power, and I have a note in mind that says, or religion. So it could be holding to a form of religion. So think, what kind of form of religion are these people holding to? It sounds like they're just awful, bad people, lovers of self, lovers of money, ungrateful, unholy. Um, what is it? And I th what I'm thinking of, Greg, is that, you know, the illustration we always talk about about the gospel and compare it um, to, um, uh, like, to every other religion. Because if you say, if, if you map out every religion, basically every religion has a set of rules that says you should get better over time. And you should follow these rules and get better over time. And so the graph we often draw has on the uh, horizontal axis, there'll be holiness. I'm sorry, the horizontal axis will be time. The vertical axis will be holiness or goodness or righteousness or some kind of scale. And if you want to describe or draw what every religion looks like, it's just a diagonal line that starts at the bottom left corner and moves towards the top right corner. Because over time, you're supposed to be a better and better person. And the irreligious person goes by and says, I don't believe in any of that stuff, but still finds a need to, to be self-justifying and still finds a need to say, I'm living for something and I'm not a bad person. And and so I think about these people like you just say, they're, not holding, they're just completely, completely um, bad people. Like, no, they're still holding to some form of religion. Though they denied its power, they're still saying I'm, Still, every, everyone is still self-justifying. And Greg, we sometimes we say we, on this podcast, self-justification is bottomless. Everyone's self-justifying, you know? Um, and, and that's kind of the form of religion people are holding to, even though they might seem to be completely irreligious on the outside. They're still self-justifying in some way. Um, and, then, and then, sorry, let's keep going here, but the connection with the next phrase, they denied its power. That, that's the contrast with the gospel because the gospel is all about inside out change and outside in change it's the, the power the transformative power of saying i'm a hopeless lost sinner jesus saved someone like me even though he knew that about me and he he's given me his grace and uh, uh, despite the fact that i turn my back on him and that's transformative power from the inside out rather than just kind of a form of godliness or a form of religion so uh, in that one little verse, it's such a huge contrast of the way the irreligious live and the power of Christian, trans the transformative power of the gospel, the inside out transform transformative power of the gospel. Um, I'm not sure I summarize this succinctly, but that, that verse kind of jumped off the page to me tonight as we were reading it. That's great. Just um, some other thoughts I have related to that. And that's a very interesting choice that you, you picked there. Um, having a form of godliness but denying its power makes me think of how we live in a world where people kind of choose a religion like a salad bar mm. where mm. they pick the items they like um that yes. you know they're so that there's there's certain things that you know they'll, they'll kind of pick and choose 
the things that they like and how when we do that with God, we basically have a God that agrees with everything we, we agree with. And we, we don't have a God that contradicts us. We don't have a biblical God because if you believe in the biblical God, it will, you know, he, he will always contradict. I mean, not always contradict us, but he often contradicts us because God is so much different than us. He's so much set apart. And uh, part of, part of maybe what this is talking about is like, you know, they can still be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, but have a form of, but, but be spiritual, you know? Yeah. Greg, I, I don't know if I told you this story or, or describe it on the podcast. If I did, if I did describe it on the podcast before, please edit this out. But I went back to my, one of my high school reunions recently. And um, there's a woman there that came up to me and I had witnessed her in high school, sharing the faith with her. And we were talking about spiritual things and she found me. And she said, do you remember me? And I said, yes. Um, and she wanted to, she found me because she wanted to tell me that she is now a very proud pagan in her own words. I'm, I'm a pagan. And what I find is that there's a little bit of truth in every religion. It's exactly what you just said. Greg. I, I like a little bit of this and a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And so basically what she's saying is I'm, I am the one, I'm the God, I am my world. I am the one who chooses the bits and pieces that I like and I'm my own savior, right? I'm, I'm, and, and so it's holding to a form of godliness. So some kind of religion, like I pick and choose, but she's completely in control. And she really, she sought me out to tell me that because she was kind of proud of that. She, that's the path she, and so I'm praying, please Lord, let her come to her senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Um, Cause that, you know, yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. I recently met a person who, you know, told me that she does believe in Jesus, but she does not believe in uh, the Jesus of the Bible. And I, and I was like intrigued by it. So I asked her that, what do you mean by that? And that person went on to describe that, you know, I want, I want to learn Jesus the way I want to learn, which kind of, you know, goes along similar lines where people want to choose the easy stuff and they don't want to choose the hard stuff. They, they still want to like commit all the sins, but also want to enter heaven. So that's, that's what I felt like after having the conversation with her, where she was like, you know, I still, uh, you know, party and all that kind of stuff that uh, a Christian, according to the Bible should not be doing, but I still believe in Jesus. And I, I actually struggled to give her an answer because I didn't want to offend that person either. So I was like, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray about it. And, and I hope that one day you reach where Jesus wants you to reach. That's all I said to her. But it, it kind of reminds me of what both of you were talking about, you know, picking things with Jesus, but not following him with all your heart. You got to follow Jesus with all your heart. That's great. Yeah. Ali, do, do you have a verse from this? I actually, I actually do. My favorite verse, and I, I have it highlighted, which means that it was one of those times when it showed up as a verse of the day for me. And that's what I do. Like every time a verse of the day shows up, I highlight it. And it's, it's verse 12, which says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, which also kind of reminds me of... Uh, Matthew 7, verse 14, which says, you know, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. 
and those who find it are few and it's 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 kind of true because uh, you know uh, especially from an international perspective i feel like when people from other countries come to america they think that america is a christian nation but <laughs> surprisingly it is not there are there are a lot of people who think they are christian but they actually do not know jesus at all and then there are those who don't follow jesus at all so and you know being a christian in america is comparatively easy compared to someone who is a christian in let's say iran you know they go through a lot more persecution they are tested more with their faith and it and i feel like to to have that amount of faith like you were talking about paul in chapter 1 to have that kind of faith in jesus is so powerful because you know usually when you start uh, believing in in jesus you feel like you know he's going to bless you with all the things that you've ever wanted but that is not how it is once you start uh, believing in jesus he actually kind of tests you more so that's how i feel yeah It's that's kind of great. Promise, right? That's the promise. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Ali. Okay, we're on the we're in the uh, we're almost at the finish line here. Chapter four, Jim. Would you mind reading it? Then we'll sure. make our final observations. And this has been really good, good, uh, good time. It's such a great book. Yeah, this is the home stretch, chapter four. Uh, here we go. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. and by his appearing and and his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season reprove rebuke exhort with great patience and instruction for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths but you be sober in all things endure hardship do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry for i am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is come i have fought the good fight i have finished the course i have kept the faith in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing make every effort to come to me soon for demas or demas having loved this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you for he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself for he vigorously opposed our teaching. At my first defense no one supported me but all deserted me may it not be counted against them but the lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the gentiles might hear and i was rescued out of the lion's mouth the lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom to him be the glory forever and ever amen greet prissa and aquila and the household of onisiphorus Erastus remained at Corinth, but Trophimus I left sick at Miletus. Make every effort to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, also Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren. 
The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. And there we go. The end of the letter. Um, man, this there's so much, there's so much here. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and for the sake of time, just dive right in here. I'm gonna pick uh chapter four, verse two. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Um I've done some research and there 36 times Paul refers to the true gospel in this letter, just in this letter, 36 times and 17 times he refers to false teachings. And it seems like his emphasis is constant and his point is pretty clear to Timothy. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. You know, don't, don't um, hold on to the gospel hold on to the the scripture um so i just i just really like that uh you know and when we think about preaching preaching the word i i like to think it's it's be willing to it doesn't mean you're like preaching from behind a pulpit it could mean that you're living it out through your life you're preaching god's word through your life um and your words so um just but to to be willing to share god's word um with with people around you and to hold on to the hold on to the gospel um even during difficult times and in the last days you know so that's those are my thoughts um ali what did you pick i actually picked uh, verse 18 it says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I feel like that's been the motto of my life ever since I started following Christ. You know, put, putting my faith in the Lord. And this kind of stand, it's, it's this, this whole chapter is kind of like closing for for the letter that Paul wrote. So it has a lot of great text in it, but I feel like this is the one that really stands out because uh, again, you know, I'm, I keep bringing this up, but Paul had amazing faith in God because look at the situation that he is in and he's still calling out the Lord and has his faith that no matter whatever the situation, how bad the situation might look like, he has his faith in God that, you know, Jesus got my back. So I think that's how I feel like in tough times, in difficult situations, I feel like, and, and that doesn't mean that I, I don't, I don't make an error. I am a human and I make mistakes. I feel like uh, reading the Bible every now and then kind of helps me to reflect upon those mistakes and learn the lesson for the future that how I should not make those mistakes in the future. You know, you know, maybe sometimes I was not at my best. I lost my temper. I, I didn't say the right thing to a person that might have hurt his feelings. And I feel like reading the Bible kind of brings all that back to me where I feel like maybe next time, if a situation like that comes, I will, I will let Jesus take the wheel and, try to be the best version of myself. And that's the only way to be the best version of yourself. Mm. 
That's great. You know, one thing to that you made me realize is a lot of times when we read the Bible, we should pay attention to the verb tenses because it says the Lord will rescue me. He's talking about in the future. He didn't say the yeah. Lord has rescued me from yeah. my salvation. Oh. He's talking about, I know that I'm so confident that God will rescue me in the future as a believer, as I go through struggles. And then, um, and, and the Lord will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. This is shortly, I mean, we're talking about days, well, maybe perhaps days before Nero would have the Apostle Paul beheaded. And and he would be taking in, you know, um, I'm sure Jesus was right there to welcome him into heaven on that day. But um, I just, I, I think those verb tenses are important and interesting. Jim, did yeah. you have a comment? You know, I just to follow up on your saying, just being in the word. I mean, if you talk, if you talk to like young Christians, they think about what's the most important thing to do for your life. And I talk to my kids this way. Just read the Bible. Read the Bible. Soak up the Bible. Read the Bible every day. Yeah. Read the Bible. I mean, it, because it changes your thinking. Even, you know, just as we're doing this podcast, reading the word out loud. The word is so, so powerful. Um, and the most important thing you're doing in your life is absorb the word. Hearing it preached, meditating on it memorizing verses studying scripture um but just reading bible and it's i, I agree with you like, when i and when i'm i go through phases, phases where i'm not doing it my thinking it's all crazy and off you know um and uh and the things of this world start getting more and more important and, and oh yeah and, and they loom large and then get back in the world you're like oh yeah it just kind of gets me in touch with them again so just the importance of the word. So on that on that vein, then, um, not that it's my favorite verse, but I want to highlight it is verse thirteen, because um, he says the, the the theme of the word goes through this whole book all again and again. Like the verse uh, you picked, um, uh, about uh, Greg about all scripture being God breathed. But the uh, keeping with that theme is verse thirteen. When you come, bring the cloak. She talked about because he was cold in that in that prison. But he said, and the books, especially the parchments, he's still talking about the words. He's still talking about words, right? And and and, and I just think it's interesting. He's still thinking about books and parchments. Um, and I don't know if there are other scriptures or what they were, but the importance of, I just think it echoes that idea of the importance of the of words in our life and how Paul was so concerned with that. Yeah, they most likely, they most likely were portions of the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. Right. They would have been. What else would he be asking for? Right. And and probably even portions of the Old Testament that he that he learned when he was a Pharisee. Oh, and that, that God kind of like re um, changed the way he looked at those um, through the lens of the gospel. So here he is about to die and he's still longing for the word. Isn't that right? Yeah. <laughs> Bring the books, especially the parchments. I just. Yeah. But that's not my choice. Yeah, that's great. Well, hey, uh, any final words to just yes. wrap up this? Uh... Yes, no, that's that's not my choice. I was going to pick a different Oh, one. that's not your choice. Oh, okay, that's not ahead. your choice. Okay. I'm just, I'm just echoing uh, what Ali was saying. So I'll, I'll be quick about this. I yes. just, the, the odd, my odd choice is verse 10 for, for Damus. And I get the name wrong. I don't know if it's Demas or Damus, but Damus, <laughs> I, I don't know. 
Damus, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. I remember he, thinking about that since I was a young Christian, as a uh, as a as a teenager. I think about like this guy loved this present world, and it's it's fascinating now reading it tonight. It's such a contrast with the way he's talking about his own faith in six, seven, and eight. I poured out as a drink offering. I fought the good fight, finished the course. In the future, there's a crown of righteousness. Like he's so thinking about the prize, he's thinking about the righteousness that not that he's earning, because he fought the fate. He's, he said, "He said, I'm not. I haven't earned my own righteousness. God, the Lord will award to me that way. He's going. He's given me His righteousness, right? And he's thinking, of, he's consumed with the gospel. And the contrast here, oh yeah, there's this guy, Demas. Yeah, he's uh, he's having loved this present world has deserted me, um, and you know, apparently was with, you know, he deserted Paul. So he apparently was a follower of Christ. And then he, you know, started loving this present world and walked away. And the prospect of that is so terrifying. Just, uh, um, and, and, you know, his name is recorded in scripture for thousands of years. Christians have read about Demas, not in a good way, right? Um, that he loved this present world. So that's, I think it's just a warning to all of us. Yeah, his name is mentioned actually in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, and in uh, Philemon, verse 24. And I think it's when he was, you know, previously he was a fellow worker. He was mentioned as a fellow worker with Paul. And just imagine how painful that was for Paul. He, he might have been one of his key guys, and yet he deserted him. Yeah. And I can remember, Ali, a short time. There was a time when when you <laughs> drifted, you know, yeah. you you stayed away from me. And yep. that really was hard for me. It really was it was really difficult. I had many conversations with good friends of mine, like trying to figure out what is happening, why, why is he avoiding me? And uh I mean it was it was very heartbreaking. But I, but I'm so glad that you have continued in the faith. Oh yeah, I'm I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just have to say, it. sorry for hurting you. But oh no, it's was... it's no, it's all right. I mean, I'm I'm just sharing it because it's a very real thing when you. It is, and I remember you... it, and I was like in a different frame of mind. You know, I don't. Now that I look back, I feel like, who was that guy? That's how I feel right now. You know, who was that guy? But like Jim was talking about, when you drift away, it's so easy to drift away, you know, because there are so many distractions out there in the world. There's there's so much evil out there that it's easy to get distracted by so many different things. Not just Not just like, you know, traditionally evil things, but... Things that may not even seem evil to you are, or can become a distraction. And just to, you know, from my personal lesson, what I would say is that fix your fix your meeting with God every day. That's how I I do it now. Fix your meeting with God because, like, you know, there in your busiest schedule, especially if you're if you're a young guy or a young girl. It's easy to get distracted. It's, it's easy to like get consumed by work. And in those times, I think it's it's like, like today when I saw your email and I was like, 
And I was like in the middle of uh, doing a project. And I was like, no, I got to make this because, you know, it's important. God, God wants me there. So I, I need to go. So I think that's like just one takeaway from my whole personal experience that be grounded with God because it's easier, very easy to get distracted. So, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so lucky to have friends like you both and all, all uh, other people who inspire me to be a better person, to be a follower of Christ. And I love you, man. I love you too, man. I really do. And, mm -hmm. uh, I appreciate this this time together and just to kind of close this um I I I love the idea of d don't read the bible because you have to read it because you get to yeah you get to you know I mean when you get in that mindset it makes it so much more enjoyable to spend time with the lord it's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. It's something that, that, you know, cause so often we just kind of fall into this kind of legalistic view of the Christian faith. I have to do this. I have to do that. I'm not yeah. a good Christian if, unless I do these things. But I think that the real secret is it's not about have to, it's, it's, it's about you get to Jim, do you have any final thoughts, final no, words? Like I just want to echo that. It's so true, you know, and just, um, the, the, the verse we were talking about before, how you can, um, the word of God is so strong and helps you. It's, it's what helps you come to your senses and escape the snare of the devil. It's what helps you from falling in love with this present world and falling away. It's what helps you, it keeps you from being a lover of self, lover of money, arrogant, boastful. Um, it's just, it, it keep you, uh, it, it helping you to fight the good fight. Right. It doesn't justify you. It's not that legalist thing you're talking about. I say, oh, I read the Bible every day, so I'm a good Christian, so God owes me something. No, it's like, I just, you know, it's long for the pure spiritual milk of the word that by you may grow in respect to salvation. Long for it, right? So I, I, I love the way you put it, Greg. You don't have to read the word. You get to read the word and, get, and just absorb it into our lives. So, but I, I, and, and look, th this, is, this is why I, lo I, I love doing this podcast because even reading it tonight and hearing you guys talk about it, and just going through it, seeing different things and learning different things. And every time you go through it, the Lord reveals something new. So that is so true. Yeah. Same for hey. me. Every time, like I read this chapter with you guys and I learned so much more. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember... On your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.